Welcome to another episode of Transcend. I'm Jamie Christine, spiritual life coach, author, and entrepreneur. I tripped up there. We just got done hiking up a really tall, steep incline. And yeah, as in shape as I am, I feel really out of shape. <laughs> I'm less in shape, but it's okay. It's okay. And we're chatting with Ted again today. I'm so excited to have you back. Hi, everybody. I'm excited to be back. Yay. Um, we had, I had Ted on, uh, actually, I think my very second podcast that I ever did. And uh, we talked about your latest release of your debut novel, which is Healthy Me, Happy We. And how's that going so far? It's going well. Um, we're about two months in. I've lost all track of time these days. Um, Haven't we A little all? under two months. <laughs> um, and it's been really fun. I also just recently announced that I'm moving into coaching full time. Yay! Um, so I'm making that transition from a corporate gig to become a full time author and coach. And um, I'm just really excited to move into a place of helping people full time. Awesome. That's so exciting. You're going to be great at it. Thank you. You already are because, you know, our conversations are always therapeutic. <laughs> uh, we're just basically taking this natural. We just had a great lunch nearby. We decided to choose a natural setting for this conversation. And um, we talked about all kinds of things at lunch. So I kind of feel like we could just tap back into that stuff. Absolutely. All of it, I feel, is super important for everybody to have an idea of. I know we talked about the ego um, I'd love to chat about that because I feel like the ego is something that either people like demonize it, like it's this bad thing, when in reality, we just need to have a better understanding and relationship with it and keep it in check. And also know when it's speaking, because you had brought this up at lunch, when the ego is speaking versus when your intuition is actually speaking yeah. and being able to discern the difference. And um, yeah, another thing we can talk about too is triggers, because that's another thing when we're feeling triggered, sometimes, all the time during a trigger, it's the ego that's stepping in to speak. And a lot of times we misinterpret that as the intuition that's actually speaking. So again, how can you tell the difference and what do triggers actually look like and where do they come from? Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Awesome. Um, I'm wondering if it might be helpful for the audience to first start out with, I can help explain kind of what the ego is. Yeah. It may be a term that a lot of people maybe maybe not understand, so mm -hmm. to kind of get on a level playing field. Yeah. So the way I like to think of it, if you think of the ego experience as kind of our human experience that we are living day to day. Um, and then if you think of it not as a hierarchy, and so that's why I kind of hesitate to explain it this way, but our human um, ego experience is kind of at this middle level um, the spirit or the intuition or the higher self, um, kind of what leads you from the heart is, uh, kind of up here. Mm -hmm. And then from a, a lower, uh, not lower, but a, a deeper perspective is kind of the soul level, kind of what's, what's underneath yeah. the subconscious, the unconscious. Um, so that hopefully helps, helps explain what we're talking about when we're talking about the ego experience. Yeah. I love that. Um, in fact, that reminds me of because uh, we talked about how every little thing in life happens for a reason so this is a great opportunity to bring that up too i had a conversation with a massage therapist i, I was seeing in the past and we just got into the conversation about what the ego actually is and she explained it to me in a way that was like this huge aha moment for me of the ego is basically it's it's the part of us that wants to stay in control because it's really just here to protect us so we needed that part of us 
you know, back in prehistoric times to protect us from like the saber-toothed tiger. <laughs> but nowadays it's like, we don't really have those same kinds of threats and dangers. Yet at the same time, the ego is still going to respond accordingly and jump in to try to protect us. Yeah. Like for instance, fitting into society, you know, there's that fear of rejection because if we are rejected from our tribe or from our community, then, you know, if, if we were cavemen and we got rejected and outcasted from our community, then we got to go it alone. And that's pretty much a death sentence right there. It's not like that anymore, yet we still have that innate fear of being rejected and outcasted from our community. And our ego is what wants us to, to remain accepted yeah. to remain, and to remain in control of that situation, which is why you see the ego stepping in and people, people, people whose egos are stepping in too much looking like, um, well, like manipulation flat out is kind of what happens, but insisting on people understand their side of the story or, you know, just whatever it is to try to gain control over their experience and their environment and the people within it. That's why people end up kind of putting on like a fake facade because they want to appear the way society would accept them. Mm -hmm. So that way they fit in better. Yeah, I forget if it's the Latin or um, maybe Greek root of the word, the origination of the term ego, it means I am. Mm. And where that comes from is this concept that we are our own, you know, individual self, which we are. But when you connect to that kind of spiritual level, that's when you can tap into the fact that we are all one. We are connected to the universe. We're one with God, all these sorts of things. Yeah. Um, and so this egoic, you know, fear thing that we're alone and that we're, you know, that we're just, you know, just us, like try to navigate this whole world. Um, it is a, is a fear-based mentality mm -hmm. and when you can tap into that that universal connection the the, the spirit level um, you can recognize more community aspect and also let go of that control yeah like that's what we hear about trusting God trusting the universe whatever your higher power is um, letting go of that need to control outcomes mm -hmm. and just trusting that the universe will provide yeah I mean that ego definitely is in the front and center during a fear-based mindset and another thing, actually, this exact same person um, said to me that fear is in general the absence of God. When you are fearful of something, it's basically because you're not currently in that present moment trusting that there is a higher power that really has your back ultimately. And yeah. you're safe within that higher powers, within that higher power. Yeah. Fear is the absence of God, the absence of love. Yes. Love is the only thing that's real. And God is love. Right. Yeah. So it's all connected. It is. Um, and what's interesting about that is like at the at the most, you know, highest level, spiritual level, like only love is real and it's this it's this constant, right? But at at the universal level there's also this expansiveness of everything. And I think that's where the like lack of you know, like the, the spectrum of love versus fear kind of comes in because mm -hmm. it encompasses all that we know. Yeah, absolutely. Ugh. I love that. Well, I think that definitely explained the ego really well. But yeah, it gets demonized a lot because mm -hmm. because it is trying to stay in control and because it does want to be heard and because it is scared of things going wrong or catastrophe or failure or anything like that. When in reality, 
if we have a healthy relationship with the ego, it's, it really can keep us safe and it really can keep us protected, but we also have to have a healthy relationship and understanding with our intuition to keep that balance so that we know where is the ego here and how will it actually keep me safe? Or are you just yammering on because you're scared and yeah. <laughs> just step aside so I can get on with my life? Right, and so going back to that like hierarchy that I explained, it's not a hierarchy and it's actually been flipped on its side for me recently, which I love having the ego kind of in the middle and then spirit off to one side and soul on the other because there is no better than all three are equally good yeah um and there's all sorts of different symbolic things we could get into with trinity and things like that but I don't oh know yeah i want to go there but um, i would love to go there sometime actually <laughs> i love the symbolism and especially like because we kind of talked about our religious upbringing um and i've like transitioned from being frustrated and angry with my religious upbringing to now i'm like in this fascinated open-minded place of like there are so many different correlations yep. with religious culture and with this more open spirituality yep, totally. it's really cool yep i love it <laughs> but yeah i guess we can save that for another conversation <laughs> or we're gonna get way off off track <laughs> or maybe we're not on track at all we're gonna go wherever <laughs> we're knows? meant to go and it's all okay <laughs> it's all okay <laughs> we were um when we were talking at lunch um and we talked about going down this conversation I started to get nervous and fearful. My ego was like coming up because I have this tendency and um, a habit of wanting to plan out and script out everything I want to say mm -hmm. and, um, you know, have that control. The ego wants to control outcomes, control the future. And what I was sharing with Jamie is that like lately I've really been embracing imperfection and also embracing speaking from the heart and using my intuition to just navigate and talking in the present even as i'm talking now like i'm starting a sentence and not really necessarily knowing where it's going to end and it feels amazing good like, to not be planning out every single step because in my past i would i would tend to do that and more often than not what i thought would happen never would mm. and then i would just you know lose all sense of control and it was just a really it was a place to be yeah it really is honestly I think that's that's like the construct of trauma I mean in my most traumatic experience in my life it, it was traumatic simply because I wanted so badly to control the outcome and the outcome needed to be in alignment with exactly what I thought it was supposed to be and when nothing happened the way I planned for it to be all hell broke loose yeah. in my entire world inside of me mm -hmm. and yeah, it's, it was definitely uh, something to learn, which took a few years <laughs> to learn that the less I try to control and micromanage my life, the more my life just flows naturally. Mm -hmm. And sometimes things happen that we think we don't really want to happen, like the incident with me where it's like I knew what I wanted and I didn't get anything that I wanted. But if I had had more of an open mind and a place of more like flexibility and allowance and acceptance, it wouldn't have been traumatizing for me, but instead it would have, I would have received it as, okay, well, whatever I thought I wanted wasn't what the universe knew I needed. Mm -hmm. And whatever the universe knows I needed is better for me. And I'm going to trust the universe and everything's going to be okay. Yeah, absolutely. And we have to go through those traumatic experiences to learn on the back end, like what this, you know, beauty is of trusting and, and mm -hmm. letting go. Yeah. Um, I don't know that anybody's naturally able to just kind of do that from birth maybe i, I was know. actually just going to ask like do you think we have to go through the traumatic experiences to really get it or is anyone know. incarnated in their lifetime to be so lucky that they just get it i don't know i 
Wouldn't that be nice? Maybe <laughs> there are like a handful. I, I definitely think the human race at a universal level is, um, or at a global level, I should say, not universal because humans only live here on Earth. <laughs> or do they? <laughs> <laughs> well, the humans as we know it. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> um, and I forgot where I was going with that. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Aliens, squirrels. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, so I think, you know, we as, we as a planet are, are constantly evolving, you know, generation after generation. Um, the consciousness is, is definitely evolving and maybe there are a handful of people that are born with that innate sense of kind of not needing the, the traumatic experiences to understand these things. But. Yeah, that, that they get that sense of surrender right off the bat. Mm -hmm. I guess in a way as a mom, I'm kind of experimenting with that because like naturally when you have kids, you want the best for them. You don't want them to have to suffer the yeah. way we did. And I remind myself that if they have to suffer, I had to suffer too. And I survived yep. and I came out better because of it. So the same will happen for my kids. It's just hard for a parent to ever have to watch your kids suffer and you want to lead them down a path so that they don't have to suffer in the way that you as a parent did. But it's kind of like in a way an experiment to me because it's like if I can instill these concepts in my kids where if you don't push against life and resist what the universe is directing you into and you just go with the flow instead, Life is so much easier yeah. and it's, it's so much more peaceful. It's so much calmer and there's a sense of joy within that emotional freedom. Absolutely. But at the same time too, there's something to be said for contrast because had, well, well for instance, um, in my current relationship right now, I always tell him, I don't think we'd work so well if we hadn't been through what we'd been through. Right. You know, his marriage was what it was. My marriage was what it was. You know, we both came from different experiences, yet they were not ideal for what we wanted out of our lives. And when those marriages ended, he knew what he wanted. I knew what I wanted. We had our boundaries set. We knew this is the kind of life that I want to live now. And I want a partner that matches that should a partner ever come into my life. And, and I just appreciate I appreciate so much of our relationship together because I have the contrast to compare it to. Absolutely. I have with him what I didn't have before. And it's it's just that that appreciation is like nothing else. And it goes with you know, you can't understand what light is unless you know what darkness is. Right. Yeah. And it's all about timing too with human relationships. Like if the two of you had met 15 years ago, you know, before you had gotten together with your ex-spouses, you probably wouldn't have been the right energetic match for each yeah, other. Yeah, we wouldn't have been compatible. Right. Yeah, because it's our life experiences that grew us into the people that we are that that compatibility works. Mm -hmm. And that being said, you know, and that's something I'd like to explore too sometime is just relationships in general when it comes to something like that. Like we're in a place where we've seen how much we've changed over the past decade or more. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yeah, there was a level of compatibility with our spouses, ex-spouses back when we first got together, yep. we would have never gotten together in the right. first place. Yep. So that compatibility was there at one point, but then it's like, it just turned into this, we're just forcing a square peg into a round hole kind yep. of thing. It's like, this is not working the anymore. Energy, and it, like you're aligned, your energy is aligned. I think we did this on my first, uh, yeah, I feel like podcast, we did where your energies are kind of aligned for a period and then they, they diverge. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. It's okay. Are yeah. In different places in their lives. And um, I, yeah, I said that in the duration, like while we were going through our divorce, it's like, 
you're not a bad person and I'm not a bad person just because this marriage isn't working anymore. This relationship isn't working anymore. It's a square peg in a round hole or it's a size eight foot trying to wear a size six shoe. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like the shoe's not wrong. The foot's not wrong. It's just, that's not good for the foot. (laughs) It's not a good fit. And I feel like that's, that's always the case. So yeah. Okay. I'm the right size shoe for the right size foot and it's working right now, but the foot might grow. Mm-hmm. The shoe might not work anymore. You know, it's like these things will, will shift and evolve. And, and I really like that, that freeing mindset that we have right now that one of us or both of us may grow in directions that aren't going to be compatible anymore. And yeah. that's okay. Yeah. And we'll cross the bridge when we get to it. And more and more, I'm starting to embrace that, you know, maybe that's actually the natural way of human relationship is being with that person, whether it's a friendship or romantic partnership or other type of relationship for a period of time for as long as it works. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if and when it comes time to part ways because it no longer makes sense to spend that much time together, then so be it. Yeah. Like, there doesn't need to be this, um, this you know, commitment to forever when we don't know what the future is going to bring. We don't know what the future is going to bring. You don't, you have no idea what's going to happen. You know, as quickly as the rug got pulled out from under me 10 years ago, who's to say the rug won't get pulled out from under me again? And that's going to change me into an entirely different person on the next step of the journey. And yeah, I I totally agree with that. I've been thinking the same things about relationships in general. It's like, why, why do we have this idea that we are supposed to commit to forever? Like that just seems ridiculous. Yeah. And I'll admit when you when you first started saying things like that to me, I used to think, oh, it's because her first relationship didn't go well. That's why she thinks that. Right. But now that I'm in a similar place, I understand like, I, you know, I'm divorced as well. I don't want to repeat that relationship by any means. Um, but it's not because that relationship failed that I feel this way. It's just a different appreciation for the beauty of being present mm-hmm. and again, not trying to egoically plan out our entire future. When yeah. We don't know what is waiting for it. Hell, I don't even know what's going to happen for me next week. I know with the way things are, you know, opening up for me now that yeah. I'm kind of going with the flow more, um, let alone a year or 10 years from now. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. You have no idea. And that's why I find it absurd that we would commit to forever with this person that, you don't know who they're going to be five mm-hmm. to 10 years from now. You don't know who you're going to be five to 10 years from now. Right. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you said that, that, you know, a lot of people look at me that way too, that it's like, oh, it's just because your relationship didn't work out. <laughs> and honestly, like, I don't even see it as a failed relationship and I don't see it as a failed marriage. And I think I've posted about that, um, on my Instagram before, like divorce is not a failed marriage. Right. That's a huge success to recognize that this is not working anymore. And it is in my best interest and everyone around me's best interest for me to move on to something that's gonna make me happy and move out of something that isn't working anymore. Yeah. Like, how is that a failure? That's why I put failure in Yeah, so I'm glad you put that in quotes because it wasn't a failure. There are no mistakes. Mm -hmm. Like, everything that we go through, we go through for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. Yeah. And, you know, those trying difficult times teach us lessons. Yes. And, you know, piggybacking off of that, like there is a lesson to be learned from everything we experience. 
from just a chance meeting with a random person at a coffee shop and the conversation that you have, whether you're gonna see this person ever again or not, to a hugely traumatic experience that completely rocks and cracks the foundation that you stand on. Any, any experience in life is happening for a reason, for yeah. you to gain some sort of clarity or knowledge or wisdom or growth from it. But when it comes to those big earth shattering traumas that we go through, those are the ones where you're, t you're being taught some major lessons. You're, yeah. you're cultivating us, you're giving the, given the opportunity to cultivate a strength you never knew you had to live a life that is so beautiful and amazing you never even knew was possible. So, you know, after having been through what I went through, I kind of, I don't want to sound like sadistic or twisted, but there's sometimes people will go through like these earthquaking traumas and it's like, oh, you're meant for amazing things. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, of course you can't say that because that sounds really insensitive in the moment, but really like you're meant for amazing things. It's exciting. <laughs> yeah, I, I've experienced that too lately in the last couple years of seeing people go like witnessing people go through really challenging painful stuff and on the inside you know i have this this dichotomy of like i don't want this person to suffer but at the same time i do yeah it's like because <laughs> do you I'm, know what's coming <laughs> i'm so grateful for my own suffering yeah. i don't want to go back and repeat it but like you said but earlier like i now have the flip side of the appreciation of this beautiful life that i have now yes and if my life had been boring you know leading up to this point i wouldn't have that immense joy and peacefulness that i experienced yeah now. you wouldn't have that awareness you wouldn't have you wouldn't have gained those life lessons meaning you wouldn't have taken on this new perspective and outlook you wouldn't have the contrast for comparison right. like this is why traumas are such a blessing and they are a blessing once you get over the trauma of it when you get to that place of healing and when you get to that place of forgiveness and acceptance that yes it did happen and it's okay and when you get to that place of it happened for me and not mm -hmm. to me right. like getting out of the victim mode of it yep. and it, it takes work and that's why more and more people are popping out of the woodwork like us where it's like we want to help people through um, navigating the healing process of trauma and get to the other side of it so you too can experience the beauty of life and how amazing it is when you do heal from it right because without that healing work we find ourselves repeating patterns mm -hmm. time after time whether it's getting into abusive relationship after abusive relationship or just kind of reliving traumas from childhood like triggers maybe we can talk about that for a little bit yeah um, you know, I, I tell the story often now, it's in my book as well, of um, when I was about four years old, I was at the park with my dad and he um, excused himself to go to the restroom but didn't really communicate to me that that's where he was going. And so here I am at four years old, alone in the park, thinking my dad had left me. And um, I just had this moment of thinking and feeling I am alone. And that stuck with me for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and in that moment, I decided to walk the quarter of a mile to half a mile home by myself as a four-year-old. I lost my innocence that day. And kind of um, that's when I decided to be super independent and on my own. Like, I have to take care of myself. 
that feeling of being alone carried through for a very long time. Um, I didn't really connect with other kids. It explains why you you always struck me as somebody very mature for their age. Yeah. Yeah. Alone and also having to take care of myself. Yeah. Um, and it all stems from that one moment. And um, it also explains why I ended up in a 15-year abusive relationship. I was together with someone, but I was very alone mm -hmm. in that relationship. I didn't feel connected to him. Yeah. That's why I, one of the reasons why I attracted that relationship. So the work that you and I are doing um, on ourselves works to heal those wounds from the past. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm, you know, in a place where I feel very connected to other people and to myself um and it's a beautiful thing but it's it takes work yeah it does and i think that's what people are afraid of is the work that goes into it because yeah it can be painful it it's probably going to rub salt in some wounds mm -hmm. but it's so worth it and once you really get to the the big healing stuff and you hone those tools any challenge that you face in the future is so much easier to navigate yeah. and i've come across some some stupid stuff it seems stupid but like if i hadn't been through what i'd been through and grown from it in the way that i did this seemingly stupid stuff would have been huge mm -hmm. would have been probably re-traumatizing yeah and yeah, and I, I it, it, back to like the topic of how everything happens for a reason, like my trauma definitely happened for a reason. And then I can back up even farther. I remember when I was probably either a preteen or early teenager, um, my dad was getting into the works of Dr. Wayne Dyer. Um, he's big into like manifest your destiny. And, uh, and I love that, like the power of positive thinking. You know, this was my first glimpse into the law of attraction and how what kind of energy we put out is the energy we're going to attract to us. Yep. So if we continually think positive, then positive things will happen to us and for us. And I had that in my mind and my whole life was just going that way. Like my granny would always tell me like, gosh, Jamie, you live a charmed life because things would just work out somehow. Cause yeah. I just, I expected them to. Mm -hmm. But then when the rug was pulled out from under me and I got exactly what I didn't want, when I thought I was thinking positively to attract it, I lost all faith in the universe. Mm -hmm. I lost all trust, everything that I had stood on, this whole law of attraction bullshit, this whole, think positive and positive things will happen crap it was just a load of shit they lied to me and that's where that's where a lot of my trauma came from too was i thought i could believe in this and and i all this time i was believing in this and it was working only for the rug to get pulled out from under me and that's something i had to reconcile with too because as i remember it kind of hit me when i was in therapy um, when I was really starting to discover, like, we live in a very mysterious universe. And I know on my podcast with Ted before I shared, um, I think it was with that one, or I, at some point in time, I shared the story of um, how, of the astral travel experience that I had. Mm, it wasn't on our podcast. It wasn't on ours. Yeah, I do remember talking about it before. But just to recap, um, I was like 14 years old, and you were at a competition out of town. Uh, for State a, spelling bee, sixth place, thank you. Yay! <laughs> You're such a nerd. Correct. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but anyway, we were, you know, dating at the time until I went and turned him gay. But <laughs> I was plenty gay long before I met you. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> we just didn't know it yet. I, I don't know. It's still fun to take ownership for that. But I'll just let you have your glory. <laughs> 
Um, anyway, so I came across this astral travel, uh, but yeah, astral projection is basically like creating a double of yourself, like you're pulling your, your energy out of your physical body and putting your consciousness into that energy and not in your physical body and traveling. It's kind of like when you wake up within your dream and you realize you're dreaming, but you're still in the dream. It's like, oh, I can fly. I can do anything I want. It's like that. And I was, I was just playing around with it. I didn't know what I was doing really, but I followed all the steps in the book and went and visited Ted up in Decatur, I think it was, right? Mm-hmm. I think so, yeah. And yeah, woke him up, woke him up in the middle of the night and wished him luck in the spelling bee. And I don't know, we had this conversation and he told me shortly thereafter that he had this really vivid dream and he recapped everything about my visit that was like, Oh my God, freaked me out. Yet at the same time, blew open the doors to this, the mystery of this universe. Like, oh my God, I just like astral projected and gave him a dream from it. What else is possible? Right. The the things that we're capable of that we don't realize. Yeah, it's exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, I really don't remember why I told that story. I had a reason for it. Um, Oh, that everything happens for a reason. So that kind of blew open the doors to the possibility of this amazing universe that we live in. And that happened to, I think, get my mind primed for that. And from that experience then I started learning about like all these gurus that reach enlightenment and like what is this nirvana thing they talk about I want that I want to experience that I realized in therapy from my uh, PTSD that I wanted that I I want nirvana I want enlightenment and all of a sudden it's like oh my god you you gotta like go through this shit show in order to really appreciate Mm -hmm. the true joy of living The universe did give me what I wanted. Mm -hmm. I wanted to appreciate the joy and beauty of living. I want to reach that emotionally and spiritually free state of mind that is basically like that nirvana feeling, that, that enlightenment, that spiritual enlightenment. Like the way to get that is to hit that rock bottom, to go through that dark night of the soul and then rise up out of it and see the world through a whole new perspective. Yep. I'm like, damn it universe, you did give me what I asked for. I did attract this, <laughs> touche. <laughs> uh, me too, now I just don't wanna go through that anymore. And then that leads me to the next thing. I really, I really feel confident that um, I, don't, I don't think I'll ever have to repeat that darkness. Right. Now I'm not saying nothing bad will ever happen again, but I feel, I feel like I've really cultivated some tools to navigate it. And there's been little things that have happened, you know, fairly recently, you know, different dramas striking up that really have reminded me of how far I've come. It's just in the way that I've handled it, where it's like, yeah, don't, don't react to certain things that I probably, the old me would have reacted to. That need for people to understand my side of the story, the old me would have called them up or responded to a text message or, or just gotten involved in a way that what's the point really and the new me was like what's the point really yeah doing this work allows us to get to a place where we stop um being consumed by our thoughts yeah and instead observing them and questioning them like in the moment of that intense trigger or being upset like stepping back and being like why am i upset about this yeah um 
is there a valid reason for me to be upset or is there some sort of trigger going on that's reminding me of something from the past? Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's talk about triggers a little bit. Like how would you define a trigger? A trigger is something, as I define it, that um, there's a moment that happens in the present and we react to it because of something that happened in our past. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's less, it's either less or nothing to do with the current situation that we're dealing with and more about your body is reacting and your mind is taken back to a time um, from the past where you experienced a trauma of some sort. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that, that's a really good example too of where the ego is at play. Because, you know, if you wanna go back to prehistoric times with our saber-toothed tiger, tooth tiger again, you know, say that tiger's in the bushes and the bushes are rustling and you narrowly escape within an inch of your life from this tiger, every single time those bushes rustle from here on out, whether it's the wind or a rabbit or another tiger, you're gonna get triggered. That is going to basically wake that back up for you and basically is a protective measure. You know, it's gonna try to protect you from, you know, narrowly escaping within the inch of your life again, or, you know, it's it's there for a reason. But nowadays, I mean, it's, it's the same kind of response happening because it wants to protect you. Yeah. But now we have to recognize, are is the bushes rustling because there's another tiger in the bushes or? Right, so <laughs> one example I like to give, you know, I was in an abusive relationship for 15 years where we fought a lot and any any sort of disagreement would lead to a fight. Like mm-hmm. there, was, there was no room for having a differing opinion of any sort. I think this, what you're about to bring up here, I think this is a big trigger for a lot of people. Yeah. So listen. <laughs> um, and you know, five months after ending that relationship, I began a 10 month relationship with a man who we had amazingly beautiful, it was my first experience with a healthy relationship. Um, very loving, very respectful, all, all the good things, checked all the boxes. Um, and throughout the course of that 10 months, I found that any time I found myself in any sort of level of disagreement with him, even if it was just a difference of opinion, yeah. my chest would get tight and I, I just felt so uncomfortable because I was afraid to disagree because yeah. I thought that the same patterns would continue. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it took practice with him to learn that like, oh, it is okay for me to share my feelings. Like we can disagree. Maybe we'll get to a point of agreement or um, compromise. Maybe we won't. And mm-hmm. that's okay as long as we're respectful of each other. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this is what a healthy relationship is <laughs> I like. Know. I had no idea. Yeah. And I can totally relate to that because so many fights happened for me too. That was basically just not agreeing on the same thing. Mm-hmm. Who cares if you don't agree on the same thing? Like, it's so dumb. And now in like the relationship that I'm in, we both have that same awareness. He's allowed to not agree with me. It's okay. And it's so refreshing to know that I'm allowed to not agree with him and he's not gonna get mad at me right. and I'm not gonna be wrong and I'm not gonna be stupid and I'm not gonna be crazy for not seeing things through his eyes and not agreeing with the way he thinks things are or should be. Uh, It's so nice. And I feel like if everybody knew that and could keep that in check in a relationship and, you know, back to the ego, I think that's where the ego is. It's like the ego wants everybody to see things the way we see them. The ego wants everybody to be alike. If we all agree on the same things, then we've got our little community and nobody's getting outcasted and everybody is safe. Yay. 
In reality, it's I like... I can't a, even imagine what that was. Gosh. Like, it doesn't even matter, though. Like, <laughs> all this stuff doesn't matter. And it's like, if we can go into the relationship with this level of respect for each other, like, we're not going to see eye to eye on everything. And you're not wrong for disagreeing with me. And I'm not wrong for disagreeing with you. We're just on two different sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we, we got off track on the, the trigger thing. Um, there was a couple things I wanted to, to explore within the topic of triggers. Because I think we, I think we react a lot based on triggers. Mm-hmm. And I feel like um, being in a place of non-reaction is also another aspect of emotional freedom and living a truly free, joyful life. So when we're triggered by something, our metaphorical bushes rustle and we think it's the tiger again, you know, we react. And that could be based on anger. It it could be a reaction of anger. It could be a reaction of guilt. It could be a reaction of Fear. fear. Yeah, a lot of things that wind up in a fight with the person that triggered us, you know, the the person isn't the tiger the push the person just happened happened to do something that created a rustle in the bushes and we jumped to the conclusion that there's a tiger there again mm-hmm. <laughs> right so again it's about you know i have found a lot of beauty in the pause so waiting to react to something like again becoming a, an observer of your thoughts questioning oh i'm it's okay and the one thing i want to clarify is it's okay to feel those feelings yeah feeling in the trigger like yes i i still find myself like oh i don't want to be angry about this it's like no don't resist it it's okay to feel it but kind of step back and be like you know why am i feeling angry yeah and it's like an instantaneous thing now for me um because i've been doing this work but it takes time it takes practice to kind of step away and before you react mm-hmm. and say something you regret or, you know, things like that. Yeah, that self-awareness is so important. Um, this isn't really so much of a trigger, but I feel like it's a really good example because it was a moment of me realizing where my self-awareness is, um, where you were sharing a lot of your stories about your mastermind group and your group therapy, your retreat groups, like all these connections that you have in your life. And uh, I think a lot of people can relate to this feeling that I got, but a level of self-awareness is so important to prevent a problem from arising because of this. So as I was watching and hearing Ted's stories and all these wonderful things going on in his life, I felt this like pang of jealousy creep up and it prevented me from really being truly happy for him because I was wrapped up in this like, why isn't this happening for me? I want that. And it was such a yucky feeling that I was like, okay, what is this? And I'm not generally a jealous person either, so I'm lucky there. I mean, some people I think naturally have like a jealousness in them, so it's probably harder to be more self-aware, but it's so important because you do damage a lot of relationships if you stay within that jealousy. But anyway, so it came up for me and I'm like, okay, this is a foreign feeling and I don't like it because I am so happy for Ted and that is not fair for me to get caught up in an emotion that's going to prevent me from celebrating all of his wins and the wonderful things going on in his life. What is this? And as I tapped into it, it's like, okay, well, I want what he has. That's basically what jealousy is, where you want what this person has. And instead of being happy for them, you're just angry because you don't have that. Okay, well, what is it that he has that I want? Connection. Okay, well, why don't I have connection? Well, I do. I have some really cool connections in my life, 
but like on a group level or on a maintained level or you know just like that adventurous level all of the things that you're gaining from that is like okay so why don't I have that and then all of a sudden I started realizing like I've got a past full of betrayal and friendships that I thought were friendships that turned out not to be or you know because they had their own junk going on that interfered with our friendship and it just there's a whole sequence of events where I was let down so many times that now I feel like I keep people at arm's length and I don't allow myself to really get close and I'm like man okay maybe I should work on that. <laughs> and as soon as I honored that and addressed it within myself, like, okay, this is something I think I do want to work on. Just because I've had these experiences in my past doesn't mean I need to repeat it. Right. And if I want connection, I can have it too. It's just something that I need to explore and work on. And as soon as I addressed it, all of that yuck emotion went away. And it was like this natural right back to like, I'm so happy for Ted. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah. Feelings are meant to be felt. Yes. Yes, not feelings ignored, are meant to be felt. Not pushed down, don't grab the ice cream or, you know, binge Netflix. Oh, I'm feeling sad. Like, yeah. it's tempting. The alcohol. <laughs> um, the booze, yeah. Um, it, you know, I, I, when I first started therapy, my therapist would tell me, you know, you need to sit with your feelings. And I'm like, what the hell does that mean? Like, yeah. that sounds super woo-woo. Like, I don't get it. Yeah. It's literally about sitting down, like, feeling that discomfort. You know, I get a lot of tightness in my chest when I'm feeling sad or angry or whatever. Yeah. And it's like acknowledging it and then it dissipates. Well, that's, yeah, that's exactly what happened. It's like, I didn't, uh, like, you know, we're taught jealousy is a bad emotion. That's bad. Bad. No, it's not. Yeah. It wasn't, it was absolutely not bad for me. I recognized it as uncomfortable. I didn't like it, but it wasn't the jealousy necessarily that was bad because it wound up being an opportunity for self-exploration. And I learned more about me and things that I want to work on. And instead of, you know, pushing down that jealousy and not addressing it, I mean, I think a lot of people in that similar situation probably would have ended up with a problem within the friendship because they wouldn't have been able to be happy for their friend who is experiencing something that they happen to want and lack. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like that's why it's so important to be with your emotions. Like they're all here to teach us the lesson and the uncomfortable ones especially are gonna teach us the yeah. best lessons. Feelings give us information. I, I found myself really afraid of my own anger for a while mm. um, because there were moments in my marriage where, you know, our fights would escalate to a point that I, it was like an out of body experience that ha happened a handful of times where I was just so enraged I've from been being there too. interrupted or whatever it was. Again, triggers, interruption, it's a, it's a trigger for me where I just spouted this like just rant of anger. Um, and it got to the point where I was uncomfortable feeling anger because I didn't, I didn't like that side of me. Um, and I've since learned that anger is meant to give us information. Mm -hmm. it, it often shows us, it gives us motivation to change something. If we're not happy about something, then that means that we want something different. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think anger is probably one of the worst emotions to bottle up. I mean, <laughs> yes. like if we don't, address that anger and confront it head on then oh my gosh I remember this one time I was I was kind of in a, a yucky relationship for a hot minute <laughs> um and I got so angry at him that it, yeah it was that out-of-body experience of rage like 
this is not Jamie. I don't even know who this is, but I was, I was on the phone with him at the time and I just got so angry. I just took my phone and I chucked it onto the concrete floor and it just shattered. And of course the call was lost. My phone was broken and I stood there in this like, oh my God, moment of like, what did I just do? I just shattered the device that I need for my business, the device that I need to communicate with my friends, the device I need to manage my schedule with my kids and babysitting and like, our phones are kind of important. And just because I was angry, and I had a lot of bottled up anger previously with the same guy that had like built and built and built and I never addressed it and, and acknowledged it in a healthy way, I let it consume me to the point where I shattered this inanimate object that really is a positive lifeline to a lot of other aspects of my life, and I just ruined it all. Yeah, a, <laughs> you know, there's a major difference between healthy anger and unhealthy anger. That was very unhealthy anger, and I paid a lot of money to undo that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a great example. Yeah, Bottling up emotions. That's what I used to do too. It was a it was a protective mechanism for myself in an abusive relationship because I learned that it wasn't safe for me to express how I feel because every time I did it would end up in a fight yes so it was like pick my battles um and then often it would lead to this bottle 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 and mm -hmm. then I would explode either in tears or in anger one of the two yeah <laughs> Ugh. and that's that's not fun and I I really want to take a minute here to like reiterate what you just said which is or, or like expand on it if you ever feel like you're in a situation where you don't feel safe to express your emotions mm. to the person that you're with, yep. you're probably not, actually not even probably, you're not in a healthy relationship. And nothing against the person you're with, they're on a journey too. They've got stuff that they need to work on and if you can't work on that together in a healthy way, then you are allowed and probably encouraged to step away. Because yep. you, no matter what, your emotions are valid no matter how uncomfortable they are, no matter how ugly they are, and especially if they don't make sense in the moment, like jealousy bubbling up when I don't wanna feel jealousy, I don't like that, it's there for a reason. It didn't make sense until I explored it and made sense of it. It's there for a reason, and a healthy relationship is going to honor that. You're not wrong for feeling the way you feel. Let's figure out why you feel the way you feel and make it better. And a partnership that's healthy should always respect and honor that. So if you're with somebody who you don't feel safe express, expressing your emotions with, yeah, take a good hard look at that. That's not good. <laughs> and whether it's, you know, whether the response is a fight or even if they, it can be a manipulative too. Like, oh, you don't need to feel that way. Oh, yeah. To yeah. kind of like lighten the mood and explain to you why you shouldn't feel that way yeah. that's also not okay that's not okay yeah i think i think that gets um i you know and i feel like people do that unintentionally because we're taught you know growing up oh don't cry you know we tell our kids there don't cry like, don't don't please don't tell people to do that like cry that's so important to cry <laughs> but anyway i'm just using that as an example but yeah there's also the people that will manipulate you through your emotions to to shame you for feeling the way that you feel and result ultimately in you being wrong for feeling the way that you feel. Again, it's not okay. Yeah, I, I'd like to expand on what you just said about the, the well-intentioned people too. Like, yeah. They aren't, well, 
they aren't necessarily toxic. And I, I think friendships are a good example. Like we don't want to see our friends suffering. And so we, we do our best to console. But what I've found is, you know, again, it's so important to allow not only yourself, but other people to feel their feelings too. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't want you to be sad. Let's go drinking. It's <laughs> not a, a good very way, good example. You know? Yeah. Like, um, like, no, sitting with them and allowing them to talk and speak their mind mm-hmm. and from the heart with what's going on without giving advice unless they ask for it. Like, just letting someone be with what's going on with them. Mm-hmm. Um, that is healthy friendship. Yes. That's what holding space is. And you, um, I hear that term a lot, and I wonder how many people really know what holding space means. But that's basically what it is. Sitting in a safe place where you're creating a safe place for your friend who's going through something and allowing them to feel what they're feeling without trying to fix it, without trying to control it, without trying to do anything but simply be in their presence so that they can feel safe. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's good stuff. <laughs> we could save the world, you know. I'm working on it. Me too. So are you. <laughs> we are. Oh, what else? I feel like we covered a lot of the um, a lot of the stuff that we kind of talked about what we wanted to talk about at lunch. So, was there anything else that's popping into the forefront of your mind? Not really, just the fact that like it's really peaceful in this spot, and it's reminding me of how peaceful life is now. Um, yeah. Not, you know, I've been struggling lately with. Um, a really, really busy life because I'm basically Same. working two jobs as I transition from my corporate corporate gig into um, full-time coaching. Um, but like reminding myself of that, in, the importance of that lesson of taking care of ourselves and loving ourselves first. Mm-hmm. Um, this last week has been really roller coastery in that way, um, like just feeling really frazzled and trying to get everything done. And what I found is when I you know, meditate and do some mirror work, kind of like you know, talking myself up in the mirror, um, taking that time for myself, the days are just as busy, but I'm less overwhelmed. I love that. Um, and overall, I mean, I'm just looking at the beauty of this, you know, the woods that surround us, and it's like life is just really beautiful. And yeah. it's because of the work we're doing, um, the work that we encourage others to do just, you know, by doing this podcast and just by leading by example, mm-hmm. um, it's, there's this bridge metaphor of, that I, um, share in my book that I think was originated by Melody Beatty, who wrote, um, Codependent No More. Um, this, like, imagine you're walking in the woods with a friend, mm-hmm. um, and you come across this bridge. And on the other side is is where the happiness and the joy and the peace lie. But the bridge is the work that you have to do to get there. We can't, I can't make that walk for you across the bridge. I can wave to you from the other side and be like, hey, like, come over here. The water's fine sort of thing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But it's all our own individual journeys to walk. And I think that's what you and I are, are wanting to not only do for ourselves, but provide an example for other people because life is just really freaking awesome when you do it. It really is. I know, and I'm just, I'm so grateful to be in this place in my life now too, like you are, of that freeing feeling. And I'm glad you reminded me of uh, how simple it is to still have a busy life but not feel overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, I too have been crazy busy 
And, um, but yeah, I actually got to learn a lesson on that recently or just now actually. Um, similarly, not so much as, um, working on those feelings of overwhelm, but like I got reminded of how everything happens for a reason because this weekend I was, I'm supposed to be on a camping trip right now, uh, me and my boyfriend and some friends of ours, and he had some stuff happen in his life that he wasn't able to go anymore. And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't have anything to do now. And it was kind of foreign to me because I always have 18,000 things to do. And starting uh, yesterday, I don't even know what day it is anymore. Like, I feel like it's Saturday today, but I think it's Friday, right? <laughs> it is. I've been like that all week. Too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. So yesterday was the day we were supposed to leave. And by the end, I had caught up on my homework. I had written a couple more chapters of my book. And by the end of the day, I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh yeah. I play the piano. I should play the piano. And I did. I played the piano. I should practice my guitar. And I did that. And then I was kind of cleaning my house a little bit because who has time for that anymore? And I found my steel tongue drum and I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't played that in forever. So I played that. And then I'm like, I'm going to paint a picture. It was like the craziest thing. And then I woke up this morning like, I can do whatever I want today up until 1230. I'm going to meet Ted for lunch and then we're going to have a podcast and then I'm going to do anything I want for the rest of the day. It is. And it's like, you know, I was a little disappointed that our camping trip didn't work out. But at the same time, because I have experienced that everything in life happens for a reason, so many times that's been proven to me over and over and over that this is no different. So I said, okay, I wasn't meant to go on this camping trip because I was meant for something else. And it's like Saturday, Friday, Thursday right now. I have no idea. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's just such a healing feeling to just have a staycation with nothing pressing to do and kind of like recharge the batteries instead of that constant overwhelm. But you know, Monday I'm going to jump back into the overwhelm. So I'm going to keep your advice in mind. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a perfect example of the opportunities that open up when we just let go and trust. Yeah. Just let things be. Everything happens for a reason and it's always, always a good reason in the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yay. I think this was good. All right. Thanks for listening again, guys. Make sure you hit the subscribe button and the like button and all those things us YouTubers say. And (laughs) thanks for tuning in. Bye. Bye.